When you stop and think about all that's going on today in the good old USA, you might think that there are only two sides to every story. With over 330 million citizens, there are actually many more sides to our American story. On this program, I provide you with a different point of view. Mine. This is The Truth Hurts, a program where I exercise my First Amendment right to free speech by providing you with information. Hopefully, you will absorb this knowledge, stop, and actually think about the issues, the facts, and the general state of our American story. I'm Steve Z, and this is the Truth Hurts Program. Well, good morning, everybody. It is Sunday morning, about 4.30 a.m., October the 18th, 2020. Got the boat hooked up and headed south down towards the Gulf of Mexico to see if we can't put a few in the boat, put some blood on the deck. This is the Sunday morning edition of the Truth Hurts program right now, live from the front seat of the old pickup truck. It's a beautiful morning, 60 degrees outside uh, as I'm leaving the home. Not a cloud in sight. Stars are out. Looks like it could possibly be a fairly good day for fishing. If you're heading down towards Lafitte, Louisiana today, towards the Gulf, you'll find that uh, I just missed high tide at midnight, plus 48. Low tide should be coming in right around noon, 48. Just a little after noon, it's going to be a decent day. My son Christopher and I are going to head out and see if we can't knock back some redfish, possibly some speckled trout. And if things go just right, maybe a few flounder in the boat. It's that time of year in South Louisiana where the night, uh, the gnats rather, are not biting as they were. Still have to worry about a little bit of mosquito activity early in the morning. But with a one and a half to two foot tide range, it may be a decent day. We'll be fishing with uh, live shrimp, it looks like. Possibly bring some plastics along just in case the fish are being finicky. We'll be fishing in the uh, Lafitte, Louisiana area, Jean Lafitte down towards the Gulf of Mexico and see what we can't find. If that doesn't work out, we'll twist over to the intercoastal waterway and see what we can knock back along the rock jetties. When you're fishing in South Louisiana, the sportsman's paradise, you have a few things that you need to be concerned about. Number one is the fog, if there is any. And this morning, luckily, it doesn't appear we're going to have any. And of course, number two, is a slack day where the fish just said you know what not feeling it dude we'll try and do something else eat later fish can be finicky creatures that's why they call it fishing and not catching my dearly departed good friend and neighbor of most of my life ray white who passed away quite a few years ago now was the king of fishing as far as I'm concerned. Fished with him probably over the course of 25 years of my life from the time I was 10 years old until 
well into having three kids of my own at that age. And we never, not once, did we ever go out and not come back with an ice chest full. Our limit of speckled trout, redfish, drum, sheephead, and always a few flounder. Some people just have that innate sense. In gardening, it's called a green thumb. You know, the kind of person who could toss out a old cup full of watermelon seeds in their backyard and the next year they have a, an entire crop of beautiful sweet watermelon or they'll throw out an old piece of bell pepper with a few seeds in it out in the backyard before you know it they've got thriving pepper plants I'm more of the black thumb kind of guy I could prepare a garden with the best soils and the best irrigation the best sunlight I can even use miracle grow, and the only thing I seem to grow is weeds. But it's okay. I think I have other talents. And it's pretty much the same with fishing. I lack something that a real good fisherman generally has to have in order to be a really good fisherman. I lack patience. You can chalk it up to ADHD or hyperactivity or me just being a scatterbrained guy. But after I'm in a spot for 10, 15 minutes, if I don't get the first nibble, it's pull up anchor and let's move on. Before you know it, I've spent the entire day moving around an entire body of water with nothing more to show for it than a sunburn and a few mosquito bites. My son Christopher, however, seems to be more towards the Ray White side of things. He researches a lot of things he has a lot of friends in the fishing, commercial fishing buddy uh, business, the commercial charter business. And through trial and error experience, and I guess following some of those guys out, or even taking a charter now and then, Chris generally comes home with an ice chest full of fish, and that's what we're hoping for today. My late son Jonathan and I shared one thing when it came to fishing. We really were not that good at it. Jonathan was more inclined, had a pretty towards calling up a fishing charter service and saying, okay guys, I want to catch some fish today. And you have fishing charter services in just about every seaport in America. Or you have guys who invest large amounts of money and time into the sport. I call it a sport, they call it a job. So if you're like me and you have a few bad days in a row and you don't have a Christopher to take you out to the water, kind of guides you to where the fish are, I highly recommend picking up the phone or looking on the internet. Schedule yourself a charter fishing trip with someone. It doesn't have to be a giant boat. Many of the charter fishermen off the coast of Florida, Mobile Bay, Mississippi, Louisiana, offer great what we call outside fishing in the Gulf of Mexico. and You can get on a boat as large as 40, 45 feet, pull in some really big fish, tuna, wahoo, the whole bit. Or guys with boats as small as 18 to 20 feet and fish the inside waters, lakes, bayous, streams, oil-filled canals, inside the banks, and make a great day of it. 
with all the COVID-19 garbage and all the political garbage going on these days. A day on the water might be exactly what the doctor ordered for you because it is always relaxing and exciting at the same time when you haul in the big ones. This is the Truth Hurts program. It's Sunday and we are less than 15 days from the probably most critical election for president that you will see in your lifetime. It hinges on the difference between keeping our Republican democracy intact, our Democratic Republic, excuse me, I'm supposed to say it properly, or turning over more and more and more of your freedoms to a government that seeks to control you 100%. Remember, it's the Democrats are the party who told you in New York, you can't drink a soft drink larger than 16 ounces. And refills can't be given to you in certain fast food restaurants because of the amount of sugar. Remember, it was the Democrats under Barack Hussein Obama and his wife, the nasty looking Michelle Obama, who looks like one of those creatures off of Star Trek, the original series, who told you pizza is a vegetable and told you you couldn't have soft drinks or candy bars in the vending machines at your local high school. Remember, it's the Democrats who told major cities to lock down even after receiving guidance from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention that says locking down is not the answer to the COVID-19 crisis. It's the Democrats that want to take away oil field jobs, oil and gasoline, and make you drive around in a little cracker box with a solar panel. It is the Democrats who control the media, the news outlets, and tell you everything they want you to hear and censor everything about freedom that they don't want you to hear. It's a very critical election and it's coming up on November 3rd. Today's October 20th. Do the math. We could literally be just about two weeks away from Barack Hussein Obama's dream, his announced statement that he wants to radically and fundamentally change America as we know it. And with no more advanced information than what you had about the Obamacare Not-So-Affordable Care Act, you won't know what that radical, fundamental change in America will be until you elect them because they refuse to tell you what the plan is. Now, I've told you on this program many times, the plan involves radical agenda, such as the Green New Deal that they all signed on to, but now Biden, worried that people see, are beginning to see, the radical changes that are coming, Biden has distanced himself a little bit from the Green New Deal, even though he has a plan with very many similar characteristics, such as limiting the growth of the oil and gas industry shutting down coal he said it in his own words ending fracking 
hydraulic fracturing, which has pulled out more natural gas and oil in our nation than we used to drill in a year for underground oil, like, say, back in the 1970s. They want to tax, 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 tax you to death, even though out of the other side of his mouth, gropey Joe Biden says, well, we're only going to tax the 1% uber super rich, those making $400,000 a year or more, without realizing that there's a common sense that he is sorely lacking. If I am the CEO and president of a major company and you're going to tax me as much as 50 to 60% of my income, well, I'm simply going to either move to another country, put all of my assets in offshore accounts so you can tax 0% of it, or I've got my money. I'll just shut my business down and put all those hardworking people who make less than 400000 a year on the streets out of a job. I've got my money. I don't need to keep worrying about being taxed more and more and more. I'll just shut it down. And of course, shutting it down means what? Lowering the number of competitors, which creates monopolistic companies, which causes price increases. Because when you're the only game in town left in an industry, you can charge whatever the hell you want. Ever-increasing prices. And of course, ever-increasing taxes. I want you to think for a moment about the taxes that you pay. A lot of people have never really thought about it this way, but I want you to think about this. You bought a hamburger, a Big Mac at McDonald's. You're looking forward to biting down into the two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, and onions on a sesame seed bun. Think about that two all-beef patties. Just think about those for a moment. A cow had to give its life, of course, to provide those two all-beef patties. A farmer had to purchase land, and he paid taxes on the sale of that land, and every year he pays property taxes to the government to use his own land that he already paid taxes on at the time he bought it. Then he buys the cow. He has to pay a sales tax on that cow. He has to buy feed for that cow, and every time he buys feed, he pays taxes on that feed. If the cow needs a veterinary service, he pays taxes on that veterinary service. If the cow needs a prescription, he pays taxes on that prescription. When it's time to ship the cows to market, he has to buy a vehicle, a truck. He pays sales taxes on that truck, and he pays yearly taxes to license that truck for use on the roads. Every gallon of fuel he puts into that truck is taxed at an excessive rate by the government. And then he ships that cow to market where someone else buys that cow and guess what? They pay sales tax on that same cow. That cow gets slaughtered and turned into hamburger meat, ground beef. They have to package that ground beef so someone is buying that packaging and paying tax on that packaging. They have to refrigerate that beef. Someone had to buy a refrigerator. And guess what? 
they had to pay taxes on the refrigerator. And then each month, they have to pay taxes on the utilities that keep that refrigerator running. Just as the farmer's still paying taxes on the utilities at his farm. Just as the beef processor is paying taxes on the utilities at his beef processing plant. Someone built that McDonald's. They had to buy that piece of property. They had to pay sales tax on that property. They have to pay property tax on that property each and every year. They have to pay sales tax on anything they used in that building. Fryers, griddles, grills, soft drink machines, heat lamps, microwaves, whatever. Sales tax again paid. McDonald's has to buy that ground beef just to keep it on focus of this one item. Guess what? McDonald's pays sales tax on that ground beef. Those two all-beef patties are now sitting in a freezer at McDonald's waiting to be put on the grill. Again, taxes on the freezer, taxes on the utilities, taxes on the grill. Then they have to hire Juwan. And Juwan gets taxed on the income along with everyone else along this food chain that I just mentioned. They have to pay income taxes on the income that they make for doing their jobs of processing those two all-beef patties from cow to Big Mac. But it doesn't stop there. Juwan has to buy a pair of shoes to go to work, and he has to pay sales tax on those shoes. And you come into McDonald's many, many, many steps down the chain, and you buy that Big Mac, and you wonder, why was a Big Mac only 55 cents when my dad was a kid, and now that I'm an adult, I'm paying $3.59 for that Big Mac. Think about all the taxes, because out of $3.59, if you're in the city of New Orleans, you're paying 36 cents sales tax on that Big Mac right off the smack. And, for those sales taxes, what do you get? Well, we're still not quite sure because there's no real accountability in government. They're the government. They don't have to tell you squat. And they don't tell you squat. But you drive down the road to that McDonald's on that pothole-filled pothole road, past lines of garbage on the street and weeds growing three, four feet high on the medians, graffiti on the walls, crime in the streets, blight, and you say, what the hell are my tax dollars going to pay for? This is the Truth Hurts program. We'll be right back. Part of waking up is listening to the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. It is not a cup of coffee. Well, hi and howdy, everyone. This here is the Colonel. You know which Colonel. I can't say my full name on account of I don't want to get sued. But it's me, y'all. The guy who's been licking my fingers over fried chicken since 1952. 
Well, by now, y'all have all heard the rumors, and guess what? They're true. Starting now, we're no longer able to call our chicken finger-licking good. One group said it was offensive in an era of the Kung Fu Wuhan flu, and nobody should be a-licking anything right now. Such a shame. There's nothing quite like licking a finger. After licking a leg, I always say, <laughs> Then another group says we're just plain racist for promoting fried chicken in general in the year 2020. Hell, we might as well close up shop. Lock up our 11 spices and our herbs. Quit plucking, quit a frying. Hell, everything else is shutting down, so why not us? <laughs> anyway, this here's the Colonel saying bye-bye to all our fans. It's been real, it's been fun, but you know what? Lately, it ain't been real fun. Now go take your coin shortage elsewhere. Straight up 5 a.m. now, it's after a quick fuel stop and some ice for the ice chest. Still about 35 minutes away from the launch. Over the years, I've watched prices as they rise and very rarely ever fall. And I've always had one question of milk and gasoline. Gasoline is right now in Louisiana running around $1.58 a gallon, which is really an incredibly low price when you consider what has to happen in order to turn oil into gasoline. First of all, you have to explore and find the oil under either the ground or under the ocean floor. And that exploration operation takes quite a bit of knowledge and expertise, years and years of training, and millions of dollars in equipment to accurately locate the oil under the ground or under the ocean floor. I think we can all agree on that. Then you have to go out and drill for that oil, sometimes very, very far down underground. Makes sense, right? That involves multi-million dollar drilling operations. Then you have to find a way to get it from the ground to the storage depot, which means either an oil tanker or a pipeline and then some type of storage facility has to be built. Again, millions and millions of dollars. And you have to refine it. The refining process, and I've worked in a refinery outfit uh, a few times in my career, and it is a very complicated scientific operation. You have to employ catalyst crackers to crack open the actual oil and pull out its component elements to turn it into diesel fuel, jet A fuel, kerosene, gasoline, remove the lead, remove the contaminants, remove the sulfurs so that it burns clean enough so that you're not creating man-caused global warming. <laughs> what I'm getting at is to turn oil into gasoline is a multi-million dollar operation and yet they're selling gasoline as low as one dollar and 38 cents per gallon in some parts of texas right now october 2020 and again 
sometimes 40, 50 cents per gallon of that is taxes that you're paying. Tax. Again, as we spoke about earlier. Now let's look at a gallon of milk. Same farmer, same land, same grass, same feed. Squeeze the teat, out comes the milk, boil it at a very high temperature to pasteurize it, homogenize it, put it in a plastic jug, transport it to market, set it on a store shelf for you and I to consume, $3.89 for the store brand, $4.59 a gallon for milk if you get a reputable long-standing brand like Borden. No refining, no catalyst cracking units, no drilling under the earth or under the ocean. Very simply, squeeze it, bottle it, sell it. How can there be such a disparity in price between milk and gasoline? I don't have the answer. I'm just posing the questions because to me, it should be a huge, huge difference in price. If you're paying four bucks a gallon for milk, we should be paying 12 to $15 a gallon for gasoline. Now, thank the good Lord above, we're not having to pay that much. It's just a thought. Why is there such a disparity? Now, those of you who like seafood, bringing this back to the fact that I'm going fishing this morning, bringing it back to seafood, let's talk about shrimp versus crawfish. I know most of you are going crawfish. That ain't nothing but bait. Well, in South Louisiana and parts of Texas and along the Gulf Coast as far over as Panama City, Florida, and in other parts of the country that are finally catching on, crawfish is a wonderful seafood item to eat. It's delicious. And if it's prepared properly, it's damn near addictive. Crawfish grow naturally in the waters, in the canals, the lakes, the rivers. Matter of fact, Bell River, Bell River, Louisiana is famous for probably the best crawfish in the nation. Bell River crawfish, my favorite. Crawfish used to be about 25 to 30 cents a pound. Because when you take this crustacean, the ecrevis, you're just eating the tail meat. And the tail makes up about 26 to 28 percent of the total weight of a crawfish. The rest of it is the head, the little legs, and those claws, which are somewhat resemblant to a lobster but nowhere near as large nowhere near as meaty you take a crawfish you're throwing away about 70 percent of the entire animal you're you're eating just the tail meat and that may be good for you not good for the crawfish of course and crawfish have become a delicacy and have become more and more widely accepted as a food source in the United States and they're paying as much as $3.99 per pound at the beginning of the proverbial crawfish season 
which occurs every year somewhere around late February through probably June. On the other side, we'll take the shrimp. Now, I know if you're in Chicago listening this morning or New York, shrimp is a delicacy. One shrimp cocktail in Chicago, Illinois, 10 years ago for me at a uh, higher-end hotel restaurant consisted of six shrimp surrounding a glass with a little cocktail sauce in it, and they wanted $21 for that, for six shrimp. Unbelievable. Now, shrimp are very plentiful in South Louisiana, and shrimp are priced according to their size. For example, eight-count shrimp, which are huge, they're giant prawns, they're, they're giant shrimp, eight shrimp with their heads on in the shell. Eight count shrimp means eight shrimp make a pound. Now those are huge. Eight count shrimp, if you took a a regular slice of bread to make a sandwich, you know, just a regular slice of sunbeam bread or whatever brand, an eight count shrimp, a single eight count shrimp would make a sandwich. It would curl up and you could put it on that piece of bread and it would make a sandwich. Eight count shrimp are hard to come by because they're found in the deeper waters of the Gulf of Mexico and out in the Atlantic. And they are expensive. (laughs) Restaurants in New York pay as much as $20 per pound wholesale price for eight count shrimp. I can get them here on the dock for about $3.59 a pound. Now that's a lot of meat, folks. That's a lot of shrimp, actual meat, for the same price as you get a pound of crawfish, which you're throwing away 70% of the mass. With a shrimp, you're eating about 80% of the mass. You're throwing away the shell and the smaller head of a shrimp, and most of what you get is meat. Wonderful, delectable meat. Mm making me hungry at 5.12 a.m. Shrimp, however, if you took shrimp, the size of a shrimp that would equate to the amount of meat you get in a crawfish, get those on the dock in Louisiana all day, we call those 22 to 24 count, which means 22 to 24 shrimp make up a pound with the heads and tails on. You can get those on the dock all day long for about a buck and a quarter to a buck and a half a pound. Now to catch crawfish, most crawfish farmers simply finish harvesting the rice in their rice crops, their rice fields. Then they flood the fields with water, throw out a bunch of bait, and they just harvest those crawfish right off the top, either in scoop nets or in crawfish traps. It's not that labor intensive. They throw those live crawfish into a sack, put them in a cooler and deliver them to the local seafood distributor. People buy them, boil up a pot of water with some awesome Zatarans crab boil seasoning, and you eat them. Not a whole hell of a lot of work in crawfish farming as compared to shrimp. 
You need a boat, a shrimp boat, capable of getting out into the waters deep enough and more powerful enough to be able to drag a large shrimp net or a trawl behind the boat. Very fuel intensive. Then you have to drag that net up onto your boat, spill the nets catch out onto your deck or onto your sorting table, throw back anything like fish or crabs or stingrays and what have you, and you have to get those shrimp on ice immediately, which means you have to have ice and ice storage on your boat. And you get those things to the dock, you have to keep them on ice. If you're selling them wholesale, that's one thing. If you're selling them retail at the dock, it's another. And it is much more costly to catch, store, and sell shrimp than it is to crawfish. And I say that because the price of shrimp is so low that shrimpers can barely make ends meet. Perhaps it's marketing. Perhaps the Louisiana shrimp industry hasn't figured out in the hundreds of years it's been in operation how to market their product to be able to raise the price. Now listen, I'm very happy. There's nothing better for me than a good pot of seafood gumbo with Louisiana shrimp. Oh, yum. The price is very inexpensive for me. And although it's a little bit higher in Chicago, we're not marketing the shrimp to these other markets, to these inland markets. Take Omaha, Nebraska, the beef. They have steaks in Omaha. I think they call them Omaha steaks. <laughs> Why not steak and shrimp, a delicacy? Or perhaps it's just us Louisiana folks that actually like the seafood as much as I would like to hope everyone enjoys it. Anyway, just a little bit of rambling about shrimp and crawfish. We're going into the winter months here, fall and winter, autumn, whatever you want to call it, fall. Oyster season is in. Uh, you can get oysters year-round, but the old wives' tale is you only eat oysters during months that end in an R, which means May, April, June, August, July, no, you don't eat them. And it's not months that end in an R, but it's months that have an R in them. So technically only May, June, July, and August are months that you shouldn't consume raw oysters on the half shell. Oops, I think I just turned a few stomachs there. There's nothing better than grabbing an oyster, taking a shucking knife, or in desperate times, a flathead screwdriver, prying open the shell and just eating that wonderful, delicious, salty oyster right out of the shell. One of my favorite dishes is oysters frenier, F-R-E-N-I-E-R. -E -E if you're ever in South Louisiana, look up a place called Frenier's Landing. It's on the lake on the west side of Lake Pontchartrain. It's a little over-the-water restaurant. It looks, it looks out over Lake Pontchartrain. They sell a delicacy called Oysters Frenier. It is a lightly battered, crispy fried oyster on a bed of spinach and artichoke dip topped with three cheeses. My God. It's 
5.18 in the morning and I am starving. And not for a McGriddle or a McMuffin. Starving for some good Louisiana seafood. And I'll be in the water here in about 15 minutes. I'll let you know how that works out. This is the Truth Hurts program. Thanks for indulging me on a very early, still dark outside Sunday morning. It is Sunday. So whatever you guys do today, make it a great day. Make it productive. Spend a few times, a few minutes today, rather. Spend a little time giving thanks to God above for giving you another day on this side of the grass. As much as I look forward to enjoying a day on the water with my son, Chris, I sorely, really, really wish that my other son, John, was still with us so that he could join us out on the boat and a day on the water. Give thanks today to your Creator. And make it a great day. We'll see you next time. You have been listening to the Truth Hurts program with your host, Steve Z. Thank you for listening. We hope that this presentation has enlightened you to the things that may have been hidden from you. This is where we bring darkness to light, turn fiction into reality and exercise our First Amendment right to free speech. Here is where the double standard is exposed and displayed for all to see. We sincerely hope that we've helped you to open your eyes to what's going on in the real world. The Truth Hurts program is produced at Studio 63 in Bayou Country, in affiliation with Steve Knight Productions. Background music by Jason Shaw and Audionautics. No animals were harmed in the making of this program. It is fact. It is real. It is truth. And sometimes the truth hurts.